0: It is the happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. We are in Tallahassee, Florida today and tomorrow, then on to Miami after that. Very happy to be down here in the Sunshine State. GuyBensonShow.com is our website. The podcast is always free. We also put significant interviews up on the website, and we have one of those coming your way this hour. GuyBensonShow.com, although you're going to want to stay tuned right now because in this happy hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink, TheLongDrink.com, always drink responsibly, 21 plus only. We welcome for the very first time onto the Guy Benson Show, someone that we've talked about quite a lot because he takes slings and arrows from the left, from the news media, from the Democratic Party, that whole coalition, seemingly every hour of every day. And we've defended him when we think he's right, when he's being treated unfairly. But he is perfectly capable, of course, of defending himself which is how he has built the approval rating and the standing that he has here in Florida, now with a national profile as well. Earlier this afternoon, I went to the governor's mansion for a one-on-one sit down at the governor's desk. We had a lot to discuss, and boy, did we. Here's my conversation with the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. We are here at the governor's mansion in Tallahassee, Florida. I am delighted to welcome to the show Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican here in the Sunshine State and some big breaking news today your administration is suing the biden administration over these continued mask rules on airplanes for example talk about the thought process behind this and florida's standing in this lawsuit
2: sure well first welcome to the governor's mansion good Thank to have you, you here so you know, this is a, a matter of principle. They, they extended it into April for no good reason. You have Fauci out there saying restrictions could re- be reimposed. And so some people say, well, he may just let it go out in April, but I think they could definitely bring it back. So the issue is, is this an overstep of government authority or not? And so our attorney general's done a great job. You know, She filed the lawsuit today. And so we're standing behind that. I'm surprised that courts haven't, uh, haven't struck it down by now, but clearly at this point, I don't even think it has a rational basis uh, given where, where we are as a society. So um, I think we've been leading on pushing back against Biden's overreach on all fronts. You know, not just this, the vax mandates, the border, all those things. And I think that's what people want to see, because I think Biden is really out of control. He's clearly not in command uh, of the the White House. And um, and he's expanding government in ways that I think will be dangerous.
0: So you won the governor's mansion in 2018. It was a blue wave year. You squeaked through at point four percent that victory margin. And at the time, registered Democrats in this state outnumbered Republicans by hundreds of thousands.
2: Almost three hundred thousand.
0: That has changed dramatically and there was news today on that front. This is like a sea change, one might call it in Florida. Tell us about this.
2: Sure. So we were down almost three hundred thousand in twenty eighteen when I got elected. Today we can announce that Florida Republicans now outnumber Democrats by over a hundred thousand registrants. So you're looking at close to a four hundred thousand registration swing. And the thing is is I thought we could catch them by my election at the end of this year in November. We caught him in November of 2021. And so then I'm like, man, maybe we'll be 50 to 100,000 up by the election. We're already 100. So at this pace, we could be 200 to 250,000 registrants ahead. And I think here's, here's why it matters for elections in Florida. Midterm elections for sure, but even presidential, registered Republicans turn out at higher rates than registered Democrats. And then a Republican like me, I'm going to get a higher percentage of registered Republicans than the Democrat will get of registered Democrats. You know, we still have legacy Democrats who are who are pretty conservative. And so um, functionally, it used to be Democrats outnumbered us. We had a turnout advantage, and then you'd kind of fight in the middle. That was why Florida was really a swing state. Well, now we have a, we're building a big registration advantage and the turnout advantage, and then I think. This well, is you're gonna, leading among independents well, well. Exactly. This is going to be a red year, so I think obviously I will. I think I'll win independence big because of the job we did of governor. But I think all Republicans are going to win independence because I think they're rebelling against Brandon, and I think that they're going to want to basically show their frustration and vote for Republicans.
0: What counts as a blowout in this state? Six points?
2: Oh, who knows? I mean, you know, look, I think it's Florida's a tough. Tough state it's always a tough state to kind of get your because there's so many moving parts and we've always been a transient state but i think now being able to capture such a rapid change and it is an ideological migration that is skewing very heavily to republicans like we don't really know so we don't really know what the electorate's going to look like i my guess would be whatever kind of the public polling is going into the election you can add a couple points to the republicans total mine and i think other republicans because i think it's going to be hard for them to capture Uh, what all these new registrants mean in terms of the turnout and all the things that go into modeling an electorate.
0: Because sometimes you hear Republicans and conservatives worried about people leaving Illinois and California, New York, and New Jersey, moving to other places and then voting the same way and turning places like Arizona purple, Colorado blue. Sounds like the opposite effect is happening here. This is getting redder in Florida.
2: I think so. And I think part of it is we've always had lower taxes. So we've always had migration from that. The Northeasterners would come. You know, a lot of Democrats, a lot of Republicans. The Midwesterners are generally uh, pretty conservative. But then with COVID, you had people that were fleeing COVID lockdowns, they had had enough on that. And then you had the Floyd riots and the defund the police. And a lot of families were like, look, I need to live in a state that's a law and order state. So the number of people I run into from like Washington State or Minnesota, who say one of the breaking points for them was the fact that crime was going through the roof. And here I am, almost like one of the only governors backing law enforcement even in the summer of 2020. So I think there's a number of factors. And then quite frankly, the media has helped us with this because the corporate press will always try to paint Florida as like the worst place ever. The only people that works with are the are the leftists who actually believe the corporate narratives. Nobody else in America believes it anymore, especially conservatives. So a conservative in, in, in Wisconsin is going to say, oh, well, hell, CNN's attacking the governor of Florida. He must be doing a good job. And then they are more interested in visiting and ultimately moving it's here.
0: It's like in-kind contributions. It's it's from the mainstream media every day with you. Now, you mentioned Fauci a few minutes ago, and one of the mottos or catchphrases that you have here that conservatives like, don't Fauci my Florida. A lot of those same conservatives think, Please do, Florida, my America. Is this state, is your leadership in this state a model, do you think, for other Republicans around the country at the state level and maybe nationally?
2: Well, I I certainly think we've been willing to lead with purpose and conviction without worrying about whether it was safe to lead or not. Like, I have not conducted a single poll since I've been governor. I just do what I think is right. Focus s- groups? Never, never, not once. Now I'm going to have to start polling the horse race when I get into the the election. But like but-
0: on governing decisions, you're not polling.
2: I have enough. not. I've not done a single poll. So how do you make these decisions? Then? I make them based off the facts, the data, and my convictions. And my view is like, you know, if I pulled you and like ten of your friends on an issue, that's a static analysis. That doesn't tell me that if I set a vision and I execute the vision, then where will you guys come out? So I can like move people. Like you moving. I'm moving people. I'm showing them that this is how a state should be governed. So I think what we've been willing to do is, you know, we do not let corporate media trim our sails. We're willing to stand up against woke corporations, which, quite frankly, a lot of Republicans uh, have been more corporate Republicans that defer to some of these corporations. Look, I I want a limited government. I want a free enterprise economy. But when these big corporations are using their economic power to try to impose leftist ideologies, like in my state, we fight back on that. Um, And then I think we've been strong at fighting back against Biden. So I think there's a lot of those things. It's also interesting, you know, we just had a cabinet meeting today. So we had a report about Florida's finances. You know, we have we have $18 billion in debt, we've reduced the debt uh, by probably 20 25% since I've been governor. So out of 110 $105 billion budget annually, our debt is only $18 $18 billion. You contrast that with the federal government, you know, Biden just put out a $5.8 trillion budget, but there's $30 trillion Right. in debt. And so I think we've shown we have the lowest per capita tax burden in the country. Um, we have no state income tax, but- Uh, we meet all the needs. I just did a big increase of pay for teachers. The biggest in Florida history. We gave $1,000 bonuses to all cops and firefighters for the second year in a row. We're doing a lot for our water resources to help our fishermen, our boaters, and our everglades. So we're meeting the challenges that we have because we're really creating a virtuous cycle. Good economic conditions attract more people. We expand the economic base. Whereas these blue states, I think they create a vicious cycle. They tax and regulate, so they repel people to leave their state. The base shrinks, so they got to do it again mm-hmm. to try to square the circle, and you just can't have it. So states like Illinois and New York, they are in a in a tailspin, and they're not probably going to be willing to change their policies, but they would have well, to change they the policies.
0: also had their schools closed for more than a year in those yeah. places. You made a decision last school year to bring the schools back open. Was that the most consequential decision you've made as governor so far?
2: I think ultimately it will be because when I did, this was like June of 2020, And the data was very clear, just to be honest. I mean, it wasn't a difficult decision in terms of substance. If you looked at the science, if you looked at places in Europe that had had schools open, if you looked at the fact that kids were at such low risk of COVID and really weren't prime drivers of transmission, there was no basis to say kids should not be in school. So substantively, if you followed the data, that's where you would have come out. However, politically and with the media i mean they thought this was the worst thing ever a lot of parents were scared because cnn is telling them you know little johnny may end up dying of COVID if he goes to first grade school. so we we had a plan We executed it. I got a diverse state. I've got a lot of liberal school districts. I mean, most of them are conservative, but I got some, we got all the school districts on board. We structured it in a way that incentivized them to have five days a week. We gave parents the right initially to say, look, if you're more comfortable with remote, you can do it. But that's the parent's choice. The school can't lock the kid out. And so having the kids in, letting them play sports, letting them do activities, letting them do all that. um, Had we not done that, uh, the problems that would have developed, I think, would have been problems that we would have, uh, be seeing by now. But there are problems that if you and I talk five years from now, we would be seeing those problems. So we were able to really stand for the people who didn't have much of a voice. Uh, and I think we, I mean, there's a lot of decisions we've been vindicated on. But that one, I was opposed. This teachers union sued me. We beat them. All the Democrats were opposed. The media was opposed. No one will admit that they opposed me to this day. They will all act like they supported having the schools open so that tells you when you're right
0: one of your critics is a fellow governor i saw a recent interview with gavin Newsom, out in california and he went out of his way in an interview to come after you he said that you're a performance artist he said quote i do not look for inspiration to that particular governor not on the pandemic not on other policy including the absurdity that was his woke initiative and the laughability around stopping something that doesn't exist critical race theory that's his quote I don't think it's a coincidence that he's attacking you. What's your response to that from Newsom?
2: Well, first, I would say how many people are moving from his state fleeing to come to mine for freedom versus vice versa. And I guarantee you, we win in the net in migration. People are leaving California in numbers we've never seen because of his failed policies. And here's what I'd say about the pandemic. If you look at um, you know the, the COVID mortality, people point out, California has less per capita mortality than Florida, which is true. They're also the second youngest state. So if you adjust by age, we're one of the oldest states, we're very similar. However, this is where I think his leadership has been terrible. If you look at excess mortality, California's had a higher percentage of excess mortality since COVID started than Florida. So that includes COVID, but it's not limited. So what Is are those lockdown deaths? Those or? are lockdown deaths. Absolutely. Those are deaths that his policies have caused, driving people to despair, drug addiction, lack of opportunities. And so um, there's people vote with their feet. You know, you, you hear a lot of people like him. How many other governors have said the same thing he does? Then they end up down in Palm Beach or Miami the first chance they get. You know, you have these the con-
0: DGA, the Democratic Governors they Association. all come. So had their event here.
2: So what I like to say is, people posture politically and they do these talking points, but how they actually act really tells the story. And when people vote with their feet, yes, there's a lot of Californians who like what we're doing who are coming. But even the ones that posture against Florida typically find their way here. And so I think that uh, the proof's in the pudding when it comes to that.
0: The slings and arrows from Democratic politicians, from the national media, from the White House. I mean, you have been called out from the podium by the president himself. My conclusion is they see you as a threat to their power. Are they right to see you as a threat nationally?
2: Well, look, I mean, I think if you look at what we've done to fight back against uh, Brandon so far, you know, we succeed. I mean, the, the, the or the contrast between a doddering, uh, you know, quasi-senile president who has to have his press team clean up his remarks after every time he opens his mouth versus somebody like me who's out there, I'm very direct, I say what I mean, I mean what I say, I lead and I get things done, you know, they understand that people view Florida as really being the leader of our country in many respects. We're really leading the free world in many. I mean, I have people from Canada that will come here that will write into me, Australia, Europe, and they say, we look to Florida as the new citadel of freedom. They're not looking to Joe Biden for that because they know that he's just not not capable of producing the type of leadership that they do. But I absolutely think from the time COVID hit, You know, I think the media wanted to, they wanted to use it to defeat Trump in 2020, you know, but they've tried to use it um, against me in any way they can. And then now that we're on to other issues, uh, they're always trying to find a way to attack me and attack Florida. Um, And I do think it's because I'm able to expose them. I'm able to show people that the emperor has no clothes and they're not used to that. I mean, they're used to Republicans that will roll over for the left. And I just don't do that. I stand my ground. And we will pick up on that exact theme. When we come back,
0: my exclusive one on one discussion with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida at the Governor's Mansion continues after this break.
1: The Guy Benson Show. More
0: next. From Tallahassee, Florida, it's The Guy Benson Show. We now continue with my conversation with Governor Ron DeSantis. So let's talk about something that you did yesterday in this state. You signed into law this parental rights and education bill. It was hugely controversial in the media, it got a lot of national attention. I have had so many people bombarding me about this because I'm gay I'm conservative and I'm not subtle about the fact that overall I support what you've been doing down here in Florida so of course we're gonna talk about this just so you know where I'm coming from the audience knows already I've written about it. I've talked about it I actually read the bill a novel concept seven pages pretty easy I think that the moniker don't say gay is a misnomer It is biased and lazy for the media to adopt it. It's an activist slogan that does not reflect what's actually in the law, number one. Number two, that K-3 through provision that you talk about all the time, I think it's unobjectionable. I think it's common sense, and the polls are bearing that out. People, parents, Americans, Floridians support it. I do as well. I have two concerns about the law, and I'm just curious to get your responses to them. Number one when you get past the K through 3 verbiage literally in that same sentence it also bars classroom instruction on these types of issues sexual identity gender identity that are quote not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate at other grade levels that language strikes me as vague and subjective who gets to decide what is age-appropriate later on like in your mind when would it become appropriate? Middle school, high school. So it'll be it'll, it'll be
2: a combination between the state board of education and the local school boards, um, and I think that you may see uh, you know some parts of the state you know come to a little bit different conclusions depending on you know the years on some of that stuff. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, I mean, I think that the the reason this became an issue. Because when this first became an issue, you know, I wasn't even aware of some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, but, but, but with this transgender and the gender identity, there is an, an effort to try to tell people, well, you know, you may not really be a boy. You may be a girl. And I think that's totally inappropriate in the school system. I mean, you know, um, we need to focus on the normal things. And so I think that's really the genesis of this. We had a lady yesterday who uh, talked about her experience. Now, her daughter was a little older. Her daughter was in middle school here in Leon County and she was in school and the school administrators took it upon themselves to quote, transition her to a boy. They even gave her a boy's name. They never got the parents consent. And they never got the parents' permission. So the curriculum issue, I think, is something that is important. Um, You know, one, I showed the thing of the gender-bred man they created, where they're trying to say, "Oh, you know, not really a boy, not really a girl." Um, But and that's clearly designed for younger kids, uh, very younger kids. But I think that the 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 issue that I think is 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 what role does the parent have? I mean, if a school is doing something as drastic as trying to change somebody's view of their own gender. Does the parent not have a right to know that that's going on in school? All right, it's, and, I mean,
0: it's a fair question, and it's a fair point. We're up on a break, but that exchange wasn't over. We'll play the rest of it on the other side of this break. Plus, much more to get to, and we will do so next, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on The Guy Benson Show.
1: Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson.
0: It is the happy hour on The Guy Benson Show, coming to you from Tallahassee, Florida, where earlier today I spoke with Governor Ron DeSantis at length in his office. When we left off, he and I were chatting about the controversial parental rights and education bill that he signed into law just yesterday. Our back and forth was substantive, it was respectful, and it wasn't done. Here's the rest of it before we move on to a variety of additional topics as well. Listen. The second concern that I had about it is, because I read these paragraphs in the law several times trying to make heads or tails of it. I talked to a couple lawyers, conservative and liberal, and they said, depending on these could maybe be decided by lawsuits but depending on how you read and apply some of this stuff could it be interpreted as a requirement for schools let's say a high school student is struggling with coming out and he decides to confide in a trusted teacher a trusted counselor let's say say hey, I'm struggling I'm not sure what to make of this I don't want to tell my parents yet would the school then have to disclose that confidential conversation to a family is that a legitimate concern under this law because having gone through the process myself it's it's hard right and having those discussions in confidence with someone that you can trust without it necessarily being required to go somewhere is vital for young LGBT people and my concern is if they feel like this law would require Florida would require schools to based on the mental well-being or the emotional well-being which is how it's written in the law it's kind of vague if they're going to be required to tell families those conversations might get bottled up they may not happen and that could be harmful I'm just curious your perspective right. on so, that.
2: So, uh, for, so for one the um, before you get to that point uh, classroom instruction sometimes people say like can you even say something in class that's not what it is it's what's the curriculum on that part instruction second, yeah yeah second part of that is it needs to be some type of service that's provided to, in terms of a medical uh, service. And so, you know, when you're dealing with things like in California, you know, they had a girl who the school was administering hormones to, and she was depressed, and they should have treated the depression. They were trying to give her hormones, so she ended up committing suicide. The wife is, is or the, the mother's now suing. So I think it's if they're doing something that is just like if you took your kid to a doctor. You so know, it's
0: treatment, not a conversation. Right,
2: exactly. Okay. I, I think I, a, I think there needs to be some service that's rendered in terms of a medical service. That's that a would, very important where, distinction. where a parent would have clearly the right to be informed and to, to object. And just think about it. I mean, bef- before all this, like people have conversations all the time. I mean, that's never really been the issue that's triggered this. I think the issue that's triggered this is you have kids that are going in, and they're now being changed in terms of, their their gender identity they're they're being told and it's it's odd because the so, so
0: just to clarify if, if a high school student came to his teacher that he really trusts had him for several years and said, "Hey, I'm having this issue. I might be gay. I'm not really sure." It is not your position that under this law that conversation would need not to be not unless they're
2: getting a medical service.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned woke corporations a short while back. Let's talk about Disney because it's a huge employer in this state. People associate Disney with Florida for all the obvious reasons. I think I made my pilgrimage in fifth grade down to Orlando. I saw the statement that they put out yesterday, ripping the bill, ripping you indirectly for signing into law, saying that they're going to be uh, fighting to take it off the books moving forward. Did you have conversations with the higher-ups at Disney about this on the substance, and did they communicate to you whether they, let's say, oppose that K-3 through component? Because this is a company that caters – to overwhelmingly parents and young children are they against the k-3 through thing that the majority of the american people
2: support so so here's i think why the statement was totally outrageous i mean for two reasons one they said it should have never been passed in the first place i talked to our speaker of the house after that statement came out he said they never contacted him while they were working while they while i was moving through the house of representatives in florida they didn't say anything about it i mean they could have called them and said that they had problems with it they didn't do it and so to say it should have never been law in the first place they were not even engaged at those critical processes and so they're responding to I would say left-wing activists and their view of it rather than the actual substance of it secondly for them to say that they're going to work to repeal substantive rights of parents because it's one thing if you're taking a political position about you know don't say gay you know you can't say the word we know that's not in the bill but they would they would they would uh... be targeting provisions that provide parents substantive protections. And so I think they overstepped their bounds with that statement. They do not run this state. I'm not gonna let our state be hijacked by a bunch of California corporate executives. And the fact of the matter is, I think they think that they, whatever they want in Florida, they get. That may have been true in the past. That is not true now. Um, And we're gonna govern this state based on the best interests of the people of Florida, not what any corporation, uh, but particularly that corporation is demanding.
0: Gotta ask you this too. You must be probably prodded and prompted every day by someone asking about your ambitions beyond 2022. And I know that the goal of you and your campaign right now is to win a big re-election in Florida. You seem to be on track to do that. I'm not going to ask you, look, if you want to announce you're running for president, (laughs) by all means, do it right here, right now. I'm not going to ask you that question directly. I'm going to ask you this instead. When you hear that buzz, directly or indirectly, How does that play into your thinking? Do you just sort of like put it in a box and set it aside till next year or something? Is it something that, you know, sometimes you you daydream about? What's your thought process? Because no one ever asked me to run for president. So I don't know how I would think about it. But if people were asking me all the time, I don't know how I would manage that internally. I'm just curious how you do.
2: Well, I mean, a couple of things. One is, um, you know, people have this merchandise with like 24. It's not my merchandise. Just so you know, that's You're totally organic. Okay. They're doing it. <laughs> people will come up to me with this on and they will talk about 2024. The number one response I have to them in Florida is, you know, I'm running in 2022, right? And honestly, some of them don't. Um, and so we're going to make sure we educate everyone, you know, that we've got a really important election, you know, in 2022. But here's the thing. I've never been to Iowa in my life. I've never been to New Hampshire. I think I may have been there in my 20s. Um, I'm just doing my job. And so I'm not doing anything differently uh, than I would do whether people were buzzing about me or not. Um, I'm trying to do the best I can for the people I represent. I'm fulfilling my campaign promises and I'm willing to make tough decisions and lead. And so that has caused people uh, to recognize me and view me uh, as a leader. But it's not because I'm out there uh, parading around or doing anything of that. So, so I appreciate when people look. I mean, I'll get, I get letters into my office um, every day from people around the country you know, just saying you know, we wish the country could be more like florida we'd love to be able you know to 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 see you run sometimes at the same time you know i've got a wife that that's that's uh you know successfully battling breast cancer i've got a five-year-old a four-year-old a two-year-old and i got a the, the best state in the country right now to do so i have my hands full so i spend really zero time thinking about it except when people come up to me and they're all very well intentioned i mean they all really you know mean well. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's really neither here nor there for me.
0: Last political question before a quick lightning round on non-political stuff. You have a constituent in Florida. He lives, I believe, in Palm Beach. Uh, People have heard of him. He was the president for a while there, for four years. He's been hinting very heavily that he wants to run again. If he were to run again, should he be a heavy frontrunner for the Republicans by virtue of his previous position, or should it be a wide-open field?
2: Well look, I I saw some news that he made a hole in one the other day at yes. his course. So I just wanna congratulate him. Yeah, I've been able he to was play very excited about I've it. been able to play golf with him over the years and you know, he's got a very good game and and he's a good player. And so, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see kind of how, how all the how all the dust settles on this. What I tell people, you know, with me in Florida is um, you know, I plan on being the nominee. our, our filing hasn't happened yet. And I think I've earned it, but you know what? I mean, if someone wants to run against me, they can. I mean, I have to earn it every step of the way. I've got in to earn, the primary here. I've got to earn it, and then I've got to earn the general election. That's just the reality. Although the Republican Party of Florida didn't officially endorse me, I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> I think someone could still run. But hopefully, they won't run. So, um, but um, sounds but, like one step at a time is the answer. Here. Yeah, I think so.
0: All right, rapid fire stuff. A lot of Floridians in a certain area of your state were probably pretty thrilled and shocked when. Tom Brady unannounced right he's like never mind I'm coming back you a Brady guy you excited to have him back with the Bucks?
2: 100% so I I grew up in that area and I was a fan when they had the orange uniforms and when they used to have losing records year after year you know when Tony Dungy came on he built a championship team John Gruden took him over the hump and they won the Super Bowl but it's been rough sledding uh, throughout last decade until Tom came and that was a huge thing and I think I think you know, he won the Super Bowl the first year, which was incredible. And if you look back at last year, I think he viewed it as probably his last year. But think about it. Had they beat the Rams, they would have probably beat the 49ers and the Bengals. I really believe that. I think they would have won two back-to-back. And they were banged up. And yet he had one of the best years, not only of his career, but of really any yeah, quarterback. Was I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And so I think it was kind of the natural end of the career. But then I think he started thinking, you know, we should have won the Super Bowl. We can do it. If we get healthy, we add some stuff. So I was thrilled when it happened. I was sad when when um, they, they lost. I was sad when he retired. Uh, but, you know, he, he's the best uh, football player of all time, and he's the best, probably the best team sport player of all times. So I never thought I would see someone better than Michael Jordan. But if you think about it, with what Brady's been able to do by winning all those Super Bowls and to perform that way at that age, and, and football's tough. I mean, like, this is a tough sport. He's really head and shoulders above everybody.
0: people often see you as kind of this political gladiator you're out there doing stuff you're out there taking like sixty minutes of the cleaners and you know every day it's sort of relentless. What do you do to unwind that people might not know about?
2: Chase my kids around so I've got a five year old daughter a four year old son, a two year old daughter my two oldest they love sports my son loves golf and baseball they love to swim and so if i'm home on the weekend i'm not really resting i'm not really getting any rest but it's like we're doing things and it's probably been you can look at your life before you were a parent after a parent there's a clear divide and so you know we're very fortunate we're the youngest family that's been in this governor's mansion since the 1800s. And I'm I think I'm still the youngest governor in the country right now. But we haven't had young kids like this to have a, a big young family here. So it's interesting. People see me out there doing this. And then if they were only here, see me like chase them around there and doing all this stuff. But that's what we do. Baseball
0: gear out front. That's that right. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we yawning. set them right
2: up in front of the governor's mansion. They'll hit off the tee, and then we'll pick up the balls and then we'll do that. And so it's, so it's a lot of fun.
0: You can pick one or both of these questions. What is the best book you've read in the last year, and what is a guilty pleasure TV show that you like to binge?
2: You know, it's interesting. I mean, um, I started watching Yellowstone uh, over the um, over the Christmas holiday, and I think I, mean, I think it's a good show. Part of it, I mean, Montana is beautiful. I'm just thinking, like, my wife's watching that. She's like, oh, man, we need to go to Montana. So that's fun um, for that. But um, you know, the, what I try to do in terms of reading books is, you know, I try to just go back and read some of the things that are that are really epic in history. I mean, I know there's new books that come out, and I read, I read Molly Hemingway did a good job on the election, and there's some other good ones I've read, um, but, you know, you can pick up something like The Art of War. You can read that in one sitting. I mean, it's a pretty small thing. You know, you can read some of these things that, that have really, been, and there's a lot of wisdom in there, and so I go back, and and I will do that, and, um, you know, I'm, I, read the, I read that. I'll read some Federalist essays. I'll do things like that, because I think it gets your mind going in a very sharp way. And um, and so you really are a constitutionalist nerd, aren't you?
0: It's like I just want to kick back and read the Federalist papers.
2: Well, it's, it's timely. And I think if you look at how they uh, uh, dealt with some of these issues, you find out human nature has not changed. Okay, these are perennial issues about self-government, about liberty, and as we see these different storms in our time, uh, the underlying principles uh, that they articulated are just as applicable uh, today as they were then. Yes, the the, the window dressing looks a little bit different because society's changed, uh, but, but those insights are very strong. Last,
0: certainly not least, you mentioned her earlier, the First Lady a scare with breast cancer, some really exciting news in the last few weeks. How is she, how has this been for your family?
2: So she's officially cancer free. Uh, now she's still got to go through some of the radiation and stuff, but that's much easier than the chemotherapy was. And so she's doing really well. She's responding really well. And, but I think what it just shows for all the women out there, you know, when this, when you get that diagnosis, it's very, very scary. Cause you know, your life, you know, theoretically is hanging in the balance, but I can tell you this: you will, you have a great chance to beat this. Hang in there fight the fight. They do great things nowadays in terms of the medical. And I think she's an example of that, um, that, that you can get through this. And so I'm really proud of how she's handled it. It is not easy dealing with in any time, but to have three little kids and then be in the public eye like she is, um, you know, it, it, really was, um, uh, it really was a difficult uh, time, but, but she's handled it well. And uh, she will be back full strength very, very soon. So stay tuned.
0: Governor, thanks for inviting me into your state and into your home. This was really cool. Looking forward to chatting again. Really appreciate it. All
2: right. Thanks so much.
0: Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida on The Guy
2: Benson Show.
1: That was this week's edition of The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.